0: So I work out at Orange Theory Fitness. Am I going to get paid for that? I'm going to hit that person. But I want to know if I'm going to get paid for that. All right, that was really good. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah, so I work out at Orange Tree Fitness. I love it. So Orange Tree Fitness is really cool. This is not a commercial, but I want you to understand what it is. It's a really cool kind of high-intensity interval training. I think I nailed that. Um, and so that's what we do. So we're like running really fast, and then we run really slow, and then we pump a lot of weight, and then we pump little girly weights, and no offense, and then we do all these different things, and it's really cool. But the, it's run in the format of a class. And so each class has one instructor. Uh, one of ours is here, Jody, right there. Stand up, wave. Just kidding. I won't embarrass you, but she's over there, so you can say hi to her afterwards. Um, and so she's one of the, the class leaders. And so today uh, I was working out, because what better way to get ready than to just get covered in sweat and wear yourself out so that maybe you'll try to find some energy up here. So somehow that was a good idea. But I got there, and, uh, and Jody said, hey, guess what? You got a new teacher today. I was like, I don't want a new teacher. I want my teacher. But she said we're gonna try this guy we're getting this guy started we're getting him rolling and and so uh so here's this guy now the thing with this high intensity interval training is you're always moving so there's always some new thing and so you're moving people around so these coaches are running around like crazy people just trying to keep everybody on page and keep everybody in the loop and so this poor guy man he he did a great job so if he's out there and he listens to this later he did a great job but it was his first class and so man he was like a little fish out of water and he was just, he was struggling and actually made the workout really easy because he missed half of the stuff, which was great. Uh, it was a great day to be there. But, and so I'm, I'm watching him and, and I'm, I'm trying to work out, but I'm kind of just caught looking at him and I'm laughing and I'm, I'm just having a good time because I think it's awesome because I know how hard it is. And so I'm watching this guy and, and, you know, it reminded me of what maybe some of us are going through. Guarantee if you're a believer what you went through. Uh, and that is that, man, when we jump into Faith, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and we start walking the Christian life, uh, I don't know anybody that just nails it at day one. I mean, we are all fish out of water trying to figure out, can I do this anymore? I don't know, is this right? I want to say this to that person, but I think God would be mad at me, but I kind of don't want to think about that, so I could just say, I mean, we're just trying to figure out this. Life, And then we talk about reading our Bible and spending time with God and then trying to study and then pray and then read and then they say teach and then sometimes they say preach and you like, I don't know what's going on. And it can be overwhelming. And so what I wanted to say to you tonight is I think that what we're doing looking at this story in Exodus and our moment in history is we are watching very important principles of our God play out. And we are watching men that have gone before us that haven't been perfect But I will eventually follow the call that God's placed before them. And I really hope that that gives you and I encouragement as we walk through this journey. Now, some of you maybe have been believers for a long time. Like, man, I think I got this. And I just want to warn you, you're probably going to walk out that door and God's going to show you that you do not. Because that is the life we are in. But in the midst of our greatest challenges is when we just see God work. And so I just thought, man, as we're coming off of Easter, and I know we've got some new believers in the room. I know we have some seasoned believers in the room. I know we have some that are not quite sure they're even interested in this, but they're here. And I just want to encourage you that what we're trying to accomplish is to teach you the word of God and hopefully it might inspire you to walk out of this place and live it out. That's our goal. And so that's what we're doing. That's why we're here. Now we can begin. So if you have a Bible open to the book of Exodus. If you don't have a Bible, you can use your phone, you can look on the screen, you can look on someone else's. If you're single, it's a great way to find a date, but I didn't tell you that. Um, that was a joke. For the first time, I make some of those. One out of ten are actually funny. Apparently that was one of them. Sick. All right. Just kidding. Now, you, you, saw the, you saw the video kind of unfold in front of you, so you have a pretty good idea of what's taking place. But the key moment right now, and we've had kind of a week in between since this happened, but the key moment is that uh, Moses and Aaron have gone before the people of Israel that have been in slavery, as you saw in the video. They've been in there for years Hundreds of years, and they're frustrated, and they want to get out. And then Moses comes and says, I have great news. God's going to deliver you. It's going to be phenomenal. And then, like, chapter 5 hits, and everything just gets worse, not better. Ever happened before? (laughs) Yeah, it just got worse, and so now they're they're furious at Moses and his brother Aaron, who are kind of doing this thing together. And so Moses gets really discouraged, and that's where we're going to jump in, and um, we're we're moving closer to um, all of the plagues, which we'll see really begin to unfold next week. But tonight, what we're going to look at is really the launching pad into this moment. And one thing to just remember all throughout this story, if you haven't noticed it already, like Moses is not perfect, and. Um, like at all. He's trying to be faithful, but he doubts himself. Uh, ever been there? Uh, he tries to be confident, but he doubts that God could get him. Th- I mean, he is just really struggling. And this is young leaders. I mean, this is what it looks like. When, when you are developing as a believer, when you're developing as a leader, you're going to stumble and fall. And so we get to watch Moses fall and hopefully learn from his mistakes and not make the same one. So if all else fails, that's what we're going to accomplish. And hopefully we'll see a good part of that tonight. One other thing is I'm going to try tonight to use a couple of points to just kind of help us keep moving along. We're going to move through a lot of scripture really fast. And so these are not like dynamic points that you may go out and tweet if you Twitter anymore. I don't know. I think I died. I think the bird flew away. But um, if you want to, that's great. But the idea is just to help us kind of move along and keep on pace. So let's begin with this. Here's my first kind of point to hang our hat on, and it's this. No need for yelling. All right, here we go. We won't get too cute. Let's jump in. We're going to look at, start in verse, chapter five, verse 22, uh, and then we'll jump right into chapter six. Here we go. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Now we read this two weeks ago and I didn't feel like I got a chance to really talk about it, so we're gonna talk about this again. What's happening? Moses is having a conversation with God. The conversation is coming from, he presented to the people, he said all's gonna be great, and then everything got significantly worse, and then the people got mad at him, so he came back to the source God and said, what in the world has happened? Have you ever done that before? It's okay, let's talk about this, all right? See, it's important to understand. It is okay to have a conversation with God. In fact, it's a good thing. Uh, Now, my advice to you would be, God makes lightning, and it hurts. So how you speak to him might be a a word of caution. But the reality is, God wants to have conversation with us. He wants to hear. He already knows everything, but he still wants to hear from you. Have you ever been to the grocery store, and uh, you've seen... (laughs) Maybe you've seen this, and, and you see the little kid, and they're like, oh, sweet kid, and then just pick up and, like, throw something at mom. It's like, I hate you. And you're like, whoa, not so sweet. Like, that'll never be my kid. Yeah, I used to say that in my mind, of course, because I'm a gentleman, but in my mind, it would be like, you got problems, but that'll never, be my, that'll never be my kid. That'll never be my kid. That'll never be my kid. And then one day, you look down, and you're like, that's my kid. What happened? What happened? And Kyla, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you now. We were on Saturday, we had like a little Easter egg hunt and all the kids are hanging out and they're all sitting in the chair. And my daughter is in the middle of this group of three and she just walks up to, to, to the boy that's a little bit older than her who's sitting in a chair just eating his little candy and she just walks up to him and she just pulls his chair over. I'm like, Kyla, stop acting like your mom. I mean, this is terrible. I'm just kidding. I, uh, there are these, was that too harsh? Sorry, babe. There's distance, so I'm safe. The reality is though, listen, when you see that kid and they're yelling at their parent and you know, if you, if you were growing up, depending on the home, like if you yelled at your parent, something was coming back at you and significantly harder than what you threw out, whether it was word or action, right? And, and what I want to say to you is that, um, you know, there is an element of this with God. He is so patient with us. And, and, and I think if we were all honest, we've all probably yelled at God, whether it came out verbally or it was in our mind. Uh, and maybe you had that moment today. And I just wanna encourage you, listen, do not be afraid to talk to God. He wants to talk to you. That, that's part of the deal, part of having a relationship that the Holy Spirit has made available for us. He wants to hear from you. I'd advise you not to yell at him, but if you do that too, gracefully he's peaceful, but he, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen you, just be careful. But he wants to hear from you. Listen, think of it like this. Have you ever been so mad at someone? You were so mad, you, I will never talk to this person again. And if we ever talk, it is not going to be pretty. Have you ever had that moment? Of course, you're all wonderful Christians, you never have. Well, I have. And I step into that moment And something happens, not by choice, but we end up, you know, face to face and you have to talk because there's no way out or you are just a complete jerk. And so you begin to talk and you're angry but you're just kind of talking and the next thing you know, you solved nothing but you feel better. Have you ever had this moment? Am, Am I the only one? It's something about talking that brings down the walls. Now it often leads to a resolution, but the reality is this, when we get frustrated with God, we don't understand what he's doing, we can't figure out his plan, sometimes the best thing we can do is just let some of that out and talk to him. And you might be surprised at the peace and the joy that you might find in the midst of that conversation because he's beginning to let you in a little bit into his story and his plan. And so I want to encourage, I do not want us to be the generation that never talks to God. I don't want that. I, I want the opposite. I want us to be the generation that talks to him so much that people think we're weird. You're just walking down the street and they're like, who are you talking to? God? Oh, okay. That's cool. And you're driving in your car. I've seen Lamar singing. Ah! I know he talks to God, though, too, right? You're welcome. I don't know if he looks like that when he sings. But I want us to be that generation, man, that we talk to God. Now, some of you, my wife is a writer, and so it may not be verbal. You may be writing, and that may be your form of communication to God, and that's all great. I just don't want you to get in this box. The only time I can engage God when I'm at church, and the only time I'm engaged I engage God when I just sit there in silence. Well, you can talk to him. Now, most of the time, he's not going to respond audibly. In fact, it would be very rare if that were to happen now. But he will speak to you, and he'll do it through his word, which we'll see tonight. He'll do it through the people around you. He'll do it through that parent that's been telling you all along the right thing, but you just didn't want to listen because that was your mom. And then finally you realize, oh, maybe God was using her in my life. This is how He works. So I, I want us to be that generation. I want us to care. I want us to talk with God. And Moses has a conversation. He's a little overheated, he's yelling a little bit, and there's no need for that, but the reality is he's doing what he needs to do in order to get down and talk with God. And I want to encourage you if you haven't done that, you might start that tonight. And then it goes on. And it says, uh, and he says, why did you ever send me? That's the recurring thing. Moses doubting himself. I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. I'm not the right guy. I'm not the, I don't have the right education. I don't have the right background. I have all of these excuses, all of these excuses. And he's asking God what happened. And then look what the Lord says in, in uh, chapter 7, verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. What does God do? God pulls Moses aside and says, hey, listen, calm down. He didn't say that. I added that. But calm down. And let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. I've been saying it all along for the last few chapters, but I'm telling you right now that I'm going to take care of this. And this is the God that we serve. Now let's look at the next thing. We doubt when we forget. We doubt when we forget. You might insert God in there. We doubt God when we forget. Verse two, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, that's the word El Shaddai, the name El Shaddai for God. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name the Lord, now it's Yahweh, two different names, but by my name the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. And this is a very interesting thing because uh, we've got some interpretation things here and you're trying to figure out how God did so many things through Abraham and through Isaac and through Jacob. They had incredible stories. They also had a lot of messes along the way, particularly with Jacob. But all the way through, these guys have been encountering God and God's been making covenants with them. He's been doing all of these things. And what God is articulating right now to Moses is what they experienced, you're going to experience even more. I'm going to reveal a part of me that they didn't get to see. Now, what it's going to be, it's going to be that a covenant's going to be fulfilled. They had heard about the covenant. They had seen it begin, but they didn't see it fulfilled. Moses is going to see the covenant fulfilled. We'll come back to that in a minute. But what God wanted him to see was that, listen, I am, I'm bringing you here, and you are a part of something bigger. Did you catch that? Abraham, Isaac? Jacob. Then there was Joseph, and and it's the story's going to start before him. The story's going to go through him, and guess what? Newsflash: the story's going to go on beyond him. And I read that, and it kind of struck me because here's the reality that we forget about, guys. You're here, and that's great, and you're part of the story. That's great, but the story was before you, and the story's going to go on beyond you. God has got something bigger, and here's what happens. And I hate to like be the guy that's always harping on our generation, but. We get so stuck in this moment of like, it's in my moment, it's my entitlement experience here and I, we don't say that, but that's what's happening and we want it all about me, it's all about me, it's about my plan and my degree and my relationship and my future spouse and my 2.5 kids and all of that, I want it, it's about me and get the story going, God, and make it all happen. And what we forget is that though God blesses us with all of those wonderful things and all of us in different ways and all of that, God is working a bigger plan that is much bigger than you and I. But how awesome How amazing, how glorious is it that God allows us to be a part of that plan? And I think this is the reality check that God was giving to Moses. Hey, listen, this has been going on well before you, and it's going to go on well past you. And and I'm telling you guys, if we can wrap our minds around this truth, it sure takes a lot of pressure off of us, doesn't it? It humbles us a little bit. We think a little bit less about ourselves. I have to think about this now. You know, when I was single, you are all single, most of you in this room, you just lived differently. You can do whatever you want, like 9 o'clock, the night's beginning. At 9 o'clock, my night's been over, all right? Like it just changes when you get married, and then you have kids, and everything changes, right? But I'm telling you, just, it'll humble you, man, because you begin to realize, hey, life's awesome. I'm a part of a story. God's doing something in my world. I have a life, and things are happening, and, and there's ministry and a job and all these things. But this story, it's so much bigger than me. I can't come home and be like, oh, it's about daddy. Dad's home, everybody pay attention, I'm here, it's my moment, cook my dinner, and Sarah does do that, so I guess it's not a good illustration. But this is my moment, everything's about me. You, you, you go to bed when I want you to go to bed because that's my time to watch. It's bigger than me now. Man, I have a wife, I have a daughter, there's a, a ministry and there's people and friends and family and it's all bigger than me. I just get to be a part of it. But we live in a world sometimes, and I'm not condemning all of you, probably just some of you, Maybe it's most of you. I don't know, because it's me. We get so caught up in our world, we forget that there's something bigger happening. And what a gift that you and I get to be a part of it. What an unbelievable, what an unbelievable blessing. But when we're so caught up looking inward, we miss what's happening all around us. Oh, it's tough. And I think in this moment, God was saying a lot of things. But I think that was one of the big ones. Moses, this is going on. It's been going on. Trust me, I've got you. You are part of the plan. Let's go. And then he says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And what he's saying is, listen, what I showed to those guys before you, I'm gonna show you, but I'm gonna show you something else. Uh, For those of you, uh, we talked a little bit about this already. When you were, maybe when you were growing up, maybe how many of you grew up in a a church home? Parents took you to church, drug you to church, however you, okay, so, Maybe for some of you, your experience with church was you were around it your whole life. And you knew about Jesus, heard about Jesus every Easter, every Christmas. That's for the rest of us. For you, and it was every single Sunday and maybe every single Wednesday and every other day in between, depending on on your lifestyle. But you heard about Jesus. You knew about Jesus. You knew he was special because this whole building was like generated around him. But you didn't quite understand the magnitude of Jesus until you became a believer. And then he came into your heart and he began to change. Not everything was perfect, but he began to change stuff. Things began to change. And all of a sudden, the person that you heard about, thought about, even knew all the little Bible stories about, became a real thing to you. And you, this is the key, got to experience things with Jesus that you never experienced before you were saved. And this is the similar thing God's saying to Moses. Listen, I revealed myself to these guys. And we did great things all throughout Genesis. There were great things happening. But Moses, I'm telling you that I get to take you one step further. I'm going to reveal something about me that they didn't get to see. Marvelous thought. So Moses, again, getting this encouragement as it goes. And then verse 4. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners, just passing through. Moreover... I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Those are powerful words, absolutely powerful words. What does he say? Listen, I made a covenant all the way back with Abraham. It started with him. If you've been coming on Sunday mornings, This is like all beginning to mesh together uh, depending on your class because this is what we've been studying. It's really cool how this works. If you don't come on Sunday mornings, you should start because this will all mesh together and it'll be really cool. Um, But it started with Abraham and God made a covenant with Abraham. And what God just told Moses is that covenant started with them, but I'm going to finish it with you. You are going to get to see that covenant be fulfilled. They didn't get to see that. They didn't get to experience that. This is marvelous. Now, by the way, one quick thought. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I want to say it again because it's so important. I want you to understand what a covenant is and the difference between a covenant and a contract. This is really important, all right? A contract says that two people make an agreement, and as long as you do your part, then I will do mine. And on the other side, as long as you uphold your part of the contract, I will fulfill mine. A covenant is nothing like that. A covenant says no matter what you do on the other side, I will fulfill my part. That is why when God says I've made my covenant and I am going to finish my, establish my covenant, he's saying I have made a promise to you and I am going to be faithful to finish regardless of what happens. Even though you're doubting Moses, even though you're, you are worrying about all the things that you should not worry about and you don't know if you can make it through. I am telling you that I made that covenant then they didn't get to see it fulfilled, but you will. And when I tell you I'm gonna do something, I will. Gosh, that's gotta give us so much hope to know that we serve a God that is so intentional, that is so serious, that cares that much that when he says something, it's going to happen. Are you that way? I, I try to be, right? I try, when I say something, it's gonna happen. With Kyla, I'm my daughter, I'm very weak. I try to be strong. It's like, do not do that. I think this is really cool. I think that God made us bigger than kids so they couldn't dominate us. Unless you've done VBS, then you've experienced a whole other side of the world. But they're smaller than us so that they can't like rally up and, and just kill us because uh, kids are crazy. But they, God makes them cute so that we don't kill them, right? And there's a really great balance here. It's really cool. And so when I look at Kyla and she gets in trouble or she does something silly. And I'm like, this is it. I told you three, I told you four, I told you five times. Just kidding. Three times, Sarah. Every time it's three times. And then she just, but I'm just waiting for her to to get in line. And she does it. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to spank her and I don't want to spank her. And then I remember why my mom used to spank me and she would cry and used to think she was crazy. And now I get it. Because you don't want to discipline your kid, but you know you have to, otherwise they're going to end up in jail. And so you're trying to do this there, but you love them so much. And, and I look at Kyla and I, I go, can you just not do that? So I don't have to discipline you. And then I discipline her, and I always try to spank her heart, and it's just something that happens in the middle. It just gets softer, and I'm just so weak. I don't understand. I don't know why you're laughing. These are real problems. I am being transparent with you right now. But when God tells you that I'm going to do something, Means it. And he's faithful to follow through every single time. That's the God that we serve. And this is what he wanted Moses to see. He says it twice in that little passage. He says it at the beginning, then he gives them some instruction, and then he says it again to just confirm and to make sure that he knows. Let's go on. And then in verse 9, here's a little point if you want to track along with this. The immediate can blind you to the potential. The immediate can blind you to the potential. Verse 9: Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. This is one little verse. We jumped ahead a little bit, but I want you to see this because that word right there, the broken spirit, this is what they were feeling. Moses came to them and said, listen, I'm going to, can, listen, guys, can you imagine just being in slavery for 400 years, okay, and, 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 and they're trying, they wanna get out, they just wanna be free, it's been generation after generation that's been going through this, and then all of a sudden a man appears and says, "'Listen, I've got a plan, God has given it to me, "'I'm going to bring you out of slavery.'" Can you imagine the kind of hope you would have? Right? We talked about this. What did they do? They bowed down and they worshipped God. They worshipped God because God was going to be faithful. And then chapter 5 came and God, it just, it, nothing happened. It just got harder and it got harder. The work literally doubled. It was twice as hard for them and they are furious. And so here's what happened. Moses presented an option and the chains that of slavery, the symbolism didn't fall. And as soon as they saw that the chains didn't fall, they gave up on God and they went right back to what they were doing. And listen, here's the reality. In life, This happens. Not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to line up. God may give you this incredible vision. He may say one day, you're going to be in ministry. You're going to be a pastor. And you go, great, let's start that today. And he's like, No, there's a lot of learning to be done. There's some education that's gonna take place. There's a lot of problems you're gonna have to figure out how to solve. There's a lot of theological things in the scriptures you're gonna have to understand. There is so much work to get you to this place to be ready. And so sometimes God says, here's what you're gonna do, but it just may not happen right now. And so when the people got this incredible news that they're about to be free and then the chains didn't immediately fall, their spirits were broken. And they essentially turned their back on God. But here's what I want you to see. Because we know that this happens, we have, this is part of the maturing in faith. We have to understand how we respond to this. Here's what we need to see. There are promises from God that are immediate, and there are promises from God that will be in the future. But all of his promises are guaranteed. So some of the immediate promises, when you become a believer, God says, no more shame, no more guilt, no more separation from me, that's immediate. That's immediate but the idea of no more tears, no more sorrow, complete healing, sometimes that happens here, but oftentimes that'll come in the end result when we stand up in a perfect paradise in heaven with God Almighty. And so some of those promises are immediate, some of those are gonna come down the line, but all of them are guaranteed. What we've gotta wrap our minds around is that, listen, when we begin to follow the Lord, it's not always gonna be roses and sunshine, but as we follow the Lord, he will help us to navigate through, and here's the beautiful thing, when we hit our darkest moments, we get to see sides of God that we would never see, and we get to see sides of people, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but we get to see sides of other people that we wouldn't see in those moments. Okay, example, there was a story I'd heard a long time ago I thought was really great. There was a, a couple of college kids, they were going on a ski trip for their church. They, got, they traveled down from Texas, so just snow in general was like a an amazing thing they'd never seen before. And they got there to the ski lodge and they're skiing for the first day. Everybody's having a good time. Most of them on the group are all Christians, but there's one guy, he's not a Christian, he's kind of new to the church, but he came with his friends, he's just checking it out. And so they're all skiing on day one. And then the morning of day two, they find out that one of the girls from their youth ministry had passed away. And so this trip that was this moment of celebration and joy and excitement and just fun and, and recreation and letting loose, all of a sudden became just a moment of mourning and sorrow. And so this group is gathered together, and they're praying, and they're just trying to encourage each other. And you know, they're young. They don't have all the answers. They don't know how to respond. And, and they're just trying to navigate. And then someone just says, hey, why don't we Why don't we just have a a kind of a group prayer and we'll all just go around the circle and and we'll pray? And so they started that and everybody prayed, but then the guy that wasn't a believer just kind of sat there and he was just kind of looking, and and that was okay. And then they finished the prayer, and then someone said, Hey, I have my guitar. Why don't we just sing some songs of worship? You know, it doesn't make sense. We don't quite know what to do, but let's just worship God because we know at the end of the day that God's in control and he's gonna make all that and so as they're worshiping, as they're singing, all of a sudden their hearts just begin to fill back up with joy, trusting that God's gonna get them through. And so this moment of mourning kind of turned into a moment of celebration and of the life that this girl lived, and they're doing all of this on their own on this little ski lodge, and this guy that's not a believer, he's looking in, and he is absolutely stunned. He cannot put into words what he's witnessing. How in the world could the friends of this young girl who had just passed away less than Twelve hours later, they're praying, and then they're singing, and they're finding joy in this unbelievable moment. And he said, I have never seen anything like that in my life. Listen, here's what's crazy. When we hit our lowest, darkest, scariest moments, that's when we see things of God we've never seen before. Listen, if everything's good, life's perfect, you just don't see God the same. But man, when you hit that point of desperation and there's nowhere else to go, though we should have been the first place you went, but that's another sermon for another day. There is nowhere else to go when you finally look up at him and say, God, I have no other options. I know nothing else to do. I'm just surrendering myself to you. And all of a sudden you begin to see him in a way you've never seen him before. It's the same thing with people. And this is what that guy experienced. He looked around at these friends. He didn't quite understand what it was. But by the end of that trip, you better believe he had seen Jesus. He'd seen it through man. And we've got to hang on to this. This is part of that spiritual maturity. When you can wrap your mind around this and you can embrace it, you don't have to be happy about the challenges we're going to face, but when you understand they're going to come and you prepare yourself for them, when they come, you will see things of God you've never seen. And whether you see in other people or you show other people, listen, don't miss this. There are many people that will never open up a Bible, but they will see a lot about Jesus through how you live or don't live your life. It's the call of a Christian. So I, I don't want us to live, and we've hit this a couple times in our series, I know, but I don't want us to live in this, this bubble where everything's good and we're happy and we praise God and we're, we're nice to everyone and then things go bad and we just turn away from everyone and we're, we're angry at God and then we'll come back when things turn down. I don't want that. I wanna see you live the same way all the way through. And it's okay to have questions, it's okay to have some sorrow, but I want you to know that your faith and your trust, and I want you to believe it, you know, that God can do anything. If God can do all these miracles, if God can make all this thing, I, I can put my trust in him, and I'll, he'll get me through whatever. I don't care. I trust him. I'll keep walking. Can you imagine what would happen just to the vicinity of people that we reach from this room if we all begin to live that way? And it's so easy when we're together in a room, and you're just listening to me, and you go, that sounds good. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. And then reality hits, and you've completely forgotten what happened just eight hours ago. And the reality is that happens because we're living too much in man and not in God. And we got to spend more time with him. we got to hear his voice more. we got to recognize his voice more. we got to build strength, grain strength from the time we spend with him so that when those moments come, they don't phase us. Of course, it can hurt a little bit. That's okay. But it doesn't phase us. It doesn't shake us. It doesn't shatter our world. We just keep walking and we say, man, God's going to get me through. And when he does, I'm going to look back and it's going to be unbelievable how he made this all come together. When we hit our deepest, darkest, most scariest moments, we see things in God we've never seen before, and we hopefully see things in each other we've never seen before, and it it is a beautiful thing when we respond the way God desires for us to respond. Let's keep going quickly, because I'm already out of time. Verse 14 through 27, I'll save you time and not read this, but let me explain this to you, because I don't want to do what you probably do when you're reading this and what I've done for many years. When you hit a moment of genealogy, or they list a bunch of names and a bunch of families and you're, you, get, you get into the first verse and you're like, this is good, but I'm pretty sure no one's gonna be mad at me, I'm gonna skip this because I wanna get to something that I understand, all right? If you've ever done that, don't raise your hand, just think about it, I know it's all of you. Um, the reality is this is what we do. We typically skip over genealogies and I understand it, but I want you to understand that there are some important things here. Every time there's a genealogy listed in the Bible, Sometimes it's very relevant for us, sometimes it's not as relevant, it's always relevant, but sometimes it's not as relevant for for the people when this was written, it was absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. Why? Because it helped them to understand who the people were. Okay, can you imagine if you walked into a room and someone said, yeah, Chad was telling me this, da, 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 and they have no idea who Chad is. But then you could say... Chad, he's the son of Stephen, his brother and sister, are Eric and Bethany, his wife is Sarah, his daughter is Kyla. Oh, Kyla, I know Kyla from this. And so that makes sense. I could see, You see how this is important? And so this is what genealogies, one of the main things that they accomplish is helping the people that were reading this to know, who is this guy Moses. Is it that Moses, this Moses, or that Moses? I don't know. And then Aaron, his brother, which one is it? And so genealogies help us to get that picture. Genealogies also help us, and and I wouldn't get into a debate with this yet, but you might start to study this. Genealogies also help us to defend our scriptures a little bit. They show historical truth in family lines, but they also, and here's the thing with Moses and Aaron's genealogy, and this is what God wanted us to see, is that their family line was messed up up. Really messed up. We're talking incest, we're talking revolts, we're talking all kinds of sexual immorality. It was absolutely messed up. So you say, how does that help us, like, kind of defend our faith in our Bibles? Because here's the deal. If they were trying to only write things that were false and make them believable, you would leave out all the bad stuff, right? Example, if you were, let's just say some crazy illustration here, that you were a descendant of, I used him the other day, Adolf Hitler, if someone asked you, hey, tell me where you came from, you would probably just say, I- I'm from German descent. Right? Most people aren't coming, to- man, I'm the grandson of Adolf Hitler. He killed millions of people. That's where I come, call- you just don't do that. But in the Bible, you never see that. Even when it just would make sense to skip a couple of those guys, let's just leave them out because that just makes it weird. They never do that. Why? Because they're showing you the historical truth and fact as it lines out from family line to family line. Now, what does that mean for us? Here's what I want you to hear. Your families were probably all messed up. Listen, here's the truth. Every family is messed up, every single one of them. Some of them are like really messed up. Others of you, just be happy that you're not really messed up, okay? And may feel that way, but it's not. But all of our families are messed up, but some are significantly messed up. They deter- they, re- they need or are necessary to have the term jacked up from the floor. up. In fact, that's where the term came from is for families, all right? For those of you who always wonder why I use that, it's for this moment. Okay, so but there are some of us that our families are mess up, but here's what I want you to hear. Please hear this. Listen, our pasts are always going to affect our future, but they do not have to determine our future. You catch that? Listen, what happens to us in the past is always gonna affect us. That's just reality. You can't go through something and it not affect you, but it does not have to determine the man or woman that you become. It does not have to determine the future that you hold. Um, if y'all remember this It's been a maybe a year or so, but we did, um, we did this cruise and, and we took some of you guys out and we had Alfonso Gilbert come and share with us. And if y'all remember, one of the things, you sh- if you didn't, I'm going to catch you up. One of the things he shared about is memories. And he talked about how important and most importantly impactful memories can be. And he used the example, I'll just use one for time's sake. He used the example of Michael Jackson. When they asked Michael Jackson, what is, the, what is one of the earliest memories you can think of? He said two things. He said, first, I remember every morning my mom singing to me. And I think every night, I think it was both morning and I don't want to butcher that, but she was always singing, she was always singing, she was always singing to me. And what happened? He became a singer, right? You didn't know that, Michael Jackson. She's kind of old now, I get it. It Became a singer. But then the second thing, they said, what's what's the second significant memory? And this is where it gets a little crazy, that you remember. And he said, you know, I, I remember when me and my brothers, every single day, My dad would take us down to the recording studio and we'd walk in and we'd begin rehearsals. But he said, every day when I'd walk in, I would look across the street because across the street, I saw this incredible amusement park where there were always kids playing and having fun. And I always wished I could have been there. I always wished even just one day I could have gone to the amusement park and played with the kids. But I was always going in to record. What are the two moments that define Michael Jackson's life? He was a singer. He built that little, I think it was, what do he call it, Neverland, Never Neverland, whatever, maybe that was Peter Pan, I don't know. But he, he built that on his own property. Now we know that things got a little crazy after that and so we'll just leave that out because that's not the point. But the reality is the two memories that were most impactful actually drove him without him even realizing it to live out those memories. Listen, here's what I want you to hear. If you don't understand your past, embrace it and then deal with it, whether it's good or bad. You deal with it with the Lord. and You ask him, Lord, show me what I need to hang on to, what I need to forget. If I need to forgive, help me to forgive. If I need to be forgiven, Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to be forgiven, Lord. Help me to find that forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But whatever it is, Lord, I want you to deal with it because my past can affect me and it can either drive me to do something good because of something bad that happened, but I do not want it to determine where I go. I don't want it to have that kind of control over me. The genealogy here reminds Moses too. Listen, you come from a pretty jacked up family, but we're gonna do something different with you. And that same truth is available to you and I today. And so if you're struggling with that, you're struggling with your past, you're struggling with your family, I just wanna encourage you to get down before the Lord. It's gonna be a process, it's not gonna happen overnight, but I want you to deal with that because I don't want that to be your story. I don't want your life and your future to be determined by some things that happened to you when you were younger. We deal with that. And I know, listen, I'm not belittling some of the stuff that's happened to you guys. I can't even imagine some of the things in a room this size that has happened. I'm not gonna try But I'll tell you this, we can find grace, we can find forgiveness, and we can find the ability and the power to forgive through the power of Jesus Christ. And you need to know that tonight. You need to know that tonight. I need you to hang on to that. I was gonna say the last thing, but I'm not gonna try. 28, verse 28. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. Then jump ahead in in verse one of chapter eight. And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart and though I I will multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. I just wanna do this really quickly so we can keep this story progressing. What God tells Moses is, listen, you are gonna speak to Pharaoh on my behalf. You are going to be like God to Pharaoh. I'm going to speak, but it's going to come through you, and it's also going to eventually come through Aaron, but it's going to be spoken. You're going to stand in on my behalf. Now, God's done this all through other scriptures. What we're reading is someone standing in on, on God's behalf and writing these words down for us through this power of the Holy Spirit so that we have something to read, to soak on, to learn, and to grow, and then to go out and live. Okay, and so God's been doing this all along, but he just tells Moses, listen, I'm giving you confidence. I have set this ordained moment. You're going to stand in front of Pharaoh, and you are going to speak for me. By the way, it goes back to the thing we said earlier. You can let this word wash over you, change you, mold you into the man or the woman God's called you to be. And you can step out and you can encourage people that never read a Bible to see Jesus in a way they've never seen. Or you could do the opposite. And you can miss out on the moment of sharing the truth of God just by how you live your life. And we understand that, but I just want to encourage you with that. Here's the last verse. Uh, Verse 4. Pharaoh, this is Moses speaking, Pharaoh will not listen to you. This is God speaking, Pharaoh will not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and I will bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. That's foretelling what we're going to look at next week. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh, and we'll stop there, because that sets us up perfectly for next week. Moses was 80 years old. How many of you want to live to be 100? Not sure yet? Tricked you, pop pop quiz, right? 105, that's great. Moses was 80 years old. What was Moses? He was at retirement age. It could've been done. Could've hung it up, but his journey was just beginning. Here's what's interesting about this, just real quick. Moses is the younger brother to Aaron, yet Moses is the one that's leading the way. This is totally countercultural in this time in, in, in history, uh, and in biblical times especially. The younger brother never stood out before the older brother, but yet here is God doing and defying all odds. And one thing that God said, he said, I have my hand on Egypt, and this is what we're setting up for next week. Listen, all throughout this, God's been in control, and that same truth is for you. All throughout this, God's been in control of your life. He has been watching it, molding it together, and I know some of the things you're like, how could he let this, and how could he let this, and why would he let this, and I can't explain all of those things for you, but I can tell you that all the way through, he's been navigating all of this to create you into the man or the woman that he wants you to be. And When we embrace that, you will live differently, I promise. Um, Last little thought, and then we'll be done, I'll pray and we'll go. In the beginning in creation, God spoke, and all of these marvelous things happened. Light came into existence. Dry ground came. The waters were parted. The stars, God spoke, and basically they said, yes, sir. Stars go there, yes, sir. Light, dry ground, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Then God created man out of dust. Congratulations. God created man out of dust. And you know what man said? No. God created man out of dust and then, and then created Eve out of the side. There's a whole lot of story there. And he said, I, I just want you to do one thing. Don't touch that. I mean, that's pretty easy, right? One, if all your life, all you had to do was one thing, just don't touch that. Some of you, like when you see wet paint signs, it's like an inter sign. it just, <laughs> just magnet. You can't help it. It's human nature. It's sin. But God told Adam and Eve, listen, just one thing, don't touch that tree. And what did they say by their action? They said no. And listen, we have been saying no to God ever since. God created all of creation that we're standing in, and it said, yes, sir. I don't know about you, but I'm not bigger than a star. I'm not more powerful than a star. I'm not brighter than a star. I'm not, I mean, it's unbelievable. All creation bowed to him, and then yet he creates, man, and gives us the ability to think and to, to move and to have free will and all. Of the, and what do we say? No can I just encourage you tonight? And you've heard this a lot, but I wanna say it one last time before we go. God has created you with a purpose he has given you part of the plan. He has placed you inside of the plan. And he said, look, the plan's been going on well before you, all the way from creation. It's going to go on well past you. But while you're here, let's hop on board. Let's get in the game. Let's be a part of the plan because I've given you all the tools that you need. I've given you everything you want. And I am going, if you will walk with me, I'm telling you life won't be perfect, but it will always be better because God's way is always better than anything else we could ever dream of. And God says, just Come. Because I've made a place for you in the plan. We cannot think too highly of ourselves to where we think we are more important than we are. Because listen, I hate to burst your bubble. Your mom would probably be mad, but you are not. All right? You're not more important than any other person on the planet. I don't know who clapped for that, but that's okay. Uh, You're not more important than any other person on the planet. But here's what God would also tell you. You are not any less important than any other person on the planet. I made you. I have a plan for you. I have put you in the story. Get in the story. We've been saying no to God, maybe for some of you our entire life. Maybe some of you, it's just been recently. Maybe some of you, you've moved away from that. But the reality is we've always been saying no. Can we just say yes? What if this generation, forget the generation, just this room. What if, what if even just half of you, let's just say a quarter of you, what if just a quarter of you would just say yes to God? Can you imagine what would happen? Could you imagine? And yes, I'm talking about salvation, but I'm talking about just walking out your life. Just say Yes. I know you want to play in the NBA. It's not going to happen. Just get over it. That was for myself. That's what I had to tell myself. Just get over it. But I'm telling you, when you get over it, you'll go, well, this is better. Anyway, the pressure that those guys got to go through, I don't want it. This is awesome, Lord, because I've created you for this. And I'm telling you, he's saying the same thing to you. Jump in there. Don't say No, let Moses lead the way for us. Of all the things not to do, and then let's jump in at the end of his life and let's see how he's faithful to follow and then let's watch as God works through unbelievable power next week and is gonna bring Pharaoh eventually to his knees. It's gonna be amazing, but that was a teaser and I shouldn't have said it, so still come back next week.